Welcome to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com or visit us on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m. or 12.30 p.m. We hope you'll enjoy the message. Good morning, New Story. Just want to thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back from Thanksgiving week. I know that you guys had a great time. I hope that you had a wonderful time with your family and friends this past week. See, we all love Thanksgiving. I I love Thanksgiving. And we all love Thanksgiving because we get to show off the best of our family recipes, right? This particular week. We get to eat the great meal like turkey and ham, mac and cheese, stuffing and gravy, you name it. We bring out the best of the best during Thanksgiving season, and we love Thanksgiving because of food. Thanksgiving would not be Thanksgiving without food, right? That's why we love this particular season. Well, my name is Stephen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here at New Story. And if you are new to our church or happen to visit us today for Thanksgiving weekend, I'd like to welcome you to our family. As a matter of fact, I want you to pull up your chair and sit at our family dining table, so to speak. Because today we're wrapping up one of the most important series that we ever preached here at New Story called Family Recipe. Why is it so important? Because this particular series defines who we are, what God is calling us to become as a congregation. This is a heartbeat of our church. This is a DNA of our congregation. Our family recipe has four core ingredients, as you know. And uh, if you call this place your church home, we expect you to know these four ingredients by heart. Okay? This is your home recipe. You got to know this by heart. So to own this together, can we just shout out all four ingredients together as a church? Okay? Number one, grace. Number two, number three, fun. Number four today is love, okay? We call it grace wins. Truth is relevant. Church is fun and live love. I want you to know that Pastor Tom did a great job covering the first three ingredients to help us to get a taste of our church, get a taste of our church. And as you know, at our church at New Story, we not only feed you spiritual food, but we also feed you physical food. Today, again, once again, we want to welcome the ushers to come down. We want to feed you the physical food. Today's recipe is Shirley's cookies. Come on down and let's thank Shirley for baking these wonderful cookies for our church. It's for, it's a busy week for everybody that is cooking and she actually made extra effort to help us to enjoy this very great gourmet uh, cookies here. Um, If you're staying after second service, we have a great meal that we're going to be serving for lunch, and we're going to be serving a Korean dish, okay? Korean dish. You had too much turkey and ham this past week, so we want to kind of change it up a little bit and uh, give you a a Korean dish. So if you could join us, and our chef, Dana, actually prepared this meal for us. So uh, thank, uh, let's thank Dana as well for, for her great effort. For loving our congregation here. Let me give you a quick recap as we went through these four recipes in our church. At New Story, grace wins. 
Grace will always win a new story. We believe that God has called us to compassion, not condemnation. God has called us to not to judge people, but to offer the very one thing that the world cannot offer, and that is scandalous, extravagant grace. After all, our Lord Jesus Christ was described as one who is full of grace and truth in John chapter 1, verse 14. And grace and truth are contrasting ingredients when you think about it. But our God, the master chef, knows how to kind of pair these two ingredients together to make it something so perfect. And that is in the person, Jesus Christ. It is embodied in his life. God sees you as you are. God accepts you as you are. God loves you as you are. It's all grace. But he will never leave you as you are. And that's the truth. And new story, we're going to uphold the truth of God's word. This is very important to our hearts. We're going to uphold the truth of God's word to the highest level. But I want you to know that truth is not supposed to be intellectual consent. Truth is supposed to be incarnational conviction. Incarnational conviction that matters to you. Truth matters. If something matters, it moves you. It compels you. It will change you. And that's what we mean by truth is relevant. It has has to hit your heart and hit your life. Last week, Pastor Tom uh, shared with us a very important ingredient. Church is what? Fun. Joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Very important for us to understand. Just like what Chef Samin, uh, Samin Nosrat says. Fat can amplify other recipes in a dish to make it delicious. In the same way, fun, joy, laughter can amplify the flavor of your life. After all, we know that our God is the one who loves to throw parties all the time. We saw that in the Old Testament. We saw that in the New Testament. And that is a God that we worship. Church is fun. And today, let me introduce you the last core ingredient to our family recipe called live love. Love is what brings everything together. So check this out. Heat. It's the element of transformation. Heat takes food from raw to cooked, flabby to firm, pale to golden brown. Sizzles, splatters, crackles, steam, and aromas are all the results of applying heat to food. And once you understand how heat works, you can be confident that whatever you cook will taste great. Did you hear her? She says this, heat, it is uh, the element of transformation. Say with me, transformation. Heat, it is the element of transformation. Once you understand how heat works, you can be confident that whatever you cook, will taste great. All other ingredients are so important, but heat brings everything together. So what heat is to the food, what love is to your life. 
and to our church. We talk about grace, we talk about truth, we talk about fun, but it is love that matters the most. Let's open up our cookbook, the Bible, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as a love chapter, and this is what it says in the first three verses. If, you, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I can have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have what? Love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have what? Love. I gain nothing. Did you get that? It doesn't matter how gifted I am. It doesn't matter how eloquent I am. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable I am about the Bible. It doesn't matter how generous I am about giving. It doesn't matter how sacrificial I am about serving. I could have it all. I could win it all. I could do it all. I could have it all. But without love, I am nothing. That's the scripture teaching us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Just like the heat is the element of transformation in any kind of cooking, love is supposed to be the element of transformation in any type of living. Everything we do in life, love matters the most. Let me tell you why love is so important, why it's so paramount in our lives. In Matthew chapter 22, there's a man, a Pharisee came to Jesus. He came to Jesus to test him, Scripture teaches us, uh, test him, to, to trap him, to trick him. He asked a million-dollar question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus simply answered him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. This Pharisee is asking, what is the one thing that I need to do to obey? What is the most important thing in life? And Jesus simply said, love. One is loving God, your relationship to God. This is called vertical beam that goes from here to, to the Lord. But there's another beam that crosses over and that is our relationship to one another. And when these two beams meet together, there you find the cross, which is the emblem of our Christian faith. At the very core of who we are, what we believe, is the love of God and love for one another. It's all about love. That's exactly the reason why love is so important. Let me tell you why, also why uh, love is so important. If you go to 1 John chapter 4, um, in two verses in that chapter, we find the simplest expression of who God is. In verse 8, as well as verse 16, it simply says, God is love. God is love. That's not just what He has or what He does, but that's who He is. So when the Bible tells us that God is love, that actually is telling us that's the very nature of God, that's the very essence of God, that's God's attribute. God cannot not love. That's who God is. And that's the meaning of God is love. 
So if you want to know anything about love, if you want to understand anything about love, you got to go to those source, which is God himself. And that's where you find the meaning and knowledge about love. Let me take a step further. If God is love, his story must be a love story. Does it make sense? If God is love, the story that he's writing must be a love story. There's one verse that you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to go to church to know this particular verse. Everybody in the world heard about this particular verse. Can you guess what this verse is? John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We all heard it before. This is the cornerstone a passage for our Christian faith. This actually summarizes this entire gospel and, and, our, our, and, our, and our scripture. John 3.16 is about how God loved us and gave his son. Now, do you know what 1 John 3.16 is? You know John 3.16, but do you know what 1 John 3.16 says? This is what 1 John 3.16 says. Remarkable here. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Friends, we're called to love the way he loves us, with the love that he gives us. We're called to be a conduit of his, uh, his love. We, we are to be a dispenser of his, his perfect love. We are, we are to channel his blessings to other people. That is God's calling upon your life and my life. Go down to verse 18. It says this, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's not just talk about love, but let's live love. Live love. That's exactly what this particular verse is teaching us. Now, what kind of love is this? If we're talking about love is the most important thing in our lives, what is the definition of love? Now, in our English language, we use word love very loosely and casually. I, I love the Lakers. I love ice cream. I love my mom. It's all one sentence. You know, we, we don't really have this measure of love in our language. But in Greek, the language in which the New Testament was written, there are specific words given for a specific type of love. You might have heard this before, but one, one of them is called storge. Storge is very affectionate love. It's mother's love for the child. Very strong, affectionate love. It's a family love. It's called storge. Another love is called eros, which is a very romantic, uh, sexual love. There's another word for love, which is philly or philia, which is a brotherly love. It's a friendship love. These three are very strong uh, words for love, but there's one more that goes beyond, that goes beyond any kind of love that you could possibly think of. This is a love that is out of this world, and that's God's divine love. When, whenever the Bible talks about God's love for us, and our love for God, and our love for one another, Bible always uses this word, agape love, agape love. This is unconditional love with no strings attached. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter where you have been. I'm going to love you no matter what. This doesn't depend on your attractiveness. This doesn't depend on your circumstance. But this depends on my lovability. I'm going to love you no matter what. C.S. Lewis calls this gift love, not need love. It's gift unto another person. It's a one-sided love. And that is called agape love. I love what G.K. Chesterton says about this love. This is the lesson of the beauty and the beast. That a thing must be loved before it is lovable. Isn't it beautiful? That's what agape love is all about. God's signature love is unconditional love to someone who doesn't deserve it, who cannot earn it, who won't appreciate it, who will never repay it. I'm just going to give to you with no strings attached. When you experience this kind of love, you will never be the same. When you receive this kind of love, you will change. It will alter your schedule. It will alter your budget. It will alter your priorities. It will alter your convenience. It will alter your heart. This is the heart of God that you're experiencing. Several years ago, our family went up to Berkeley for my nephew's graduation. It was a kind of busy day. We were spending a lot of time for ceremony. We had late lunch, and we were busy just cleaning up his apartment and all that. About 9.30 at night, about 10 o'clock at night, we got really hungry. So we wanted to grab something to eat. So we actually um, you know, went out to a place called Smokehouse. Does anybody know Smokehouse up at Berkeley? Any, anybody? Okay. Oh, it's a few bears here in our midst. Okay, Smokehouse is not any fancy restaurant. This is a hole in the wall, as you can tell. It's a party enclosed, party open, with patio seating next to a very busy street. We were hungry. We got our meal. We're eating. I, cut, I, I had a couple of bites. And, 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 and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a man coming closer to my table. His clothes were very shabby. He had a very strong smell, indicating that he hadn't taken a shower for a while. Most likely, he's a homeless man. He came close to my table. I could have easily given him a dollar or two, and he would be more than happy to receive my money. But that particular time, I felt a little bit more generous. I felt a little bit more loving. So I asked him, can I get you something to eat? He said, oh, yes, that would be great. So I took him to order the food. What do you want? Anything you want. He said, he wanted a burger. So he got a burger. So why not just get fries and drink too? I just want to be a little bit more generous that day. So make it a combo. And he never heard this before. So he got shocked that I'm offering him not only a burger, but fries and a drink. He was so happy. We ordered it. And my plan is to come back to my table and finish my meal. But this darn restaurant has, has backwards. We, you order the food, but this particular restaurant, you actually pay when you receive your item, not when you order the food. So I had to wait for his food to come out, standing next to him, while my food is getting cold at my table. 
And I'm getting annoyed now because that was not my plan. And there's kind of awkward silence between him and me because we just met. I'm trying to just get him a food. And he's asking questions. So where do you live? Well, I live in L.A. And where were you born? I was born in Korea. Oh, I love Korean food. And he started making these conversations. And I was thinking to myself, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Because this is not what I wanted to do. Food finally came out. He got his burger and fries and drink. And he got so excited. He got so happy. He was so grateful. So he gave me a hug. And I said, no. <laughs> I could buy another meal. I wasn't saying it to him. But I was thinking, about, I-, I could buy another meal, but not a hug. Please, not a hug. He literally gave me a two-second hug. It felt like eternity. <laughs> Felt like eternity. And the only thought that came to my mind in the moment is that, oh, my jacket, my favorite jacket. I need to wash my jacket now. He left. I came back to my table, but I couldn't finish my meal. Not just because the food got cold, I mean, that too. Not because my clothes now smells, I mean, that too. I couldn't finish my meal because the Spirit of God just wrecked my heart, wrecked me very deeply. I was asking myself, Stephen, why did you buy him a meal? Because it's the right thing to do? Yeah, it's the right thing to do. I think I, I did it because it's the right thing to do. Did you buy this meal to him because you wanted to impress your children how generous you are as a father? Maybe. I cannot deny that. I got him a meal, but without love. Maybe I did have love, but it was not strong enough to give up my comfort to give up my jacket. My love has limits. It's not perfect. God has called our church to be a church that reaches 1% of LA with the love of Christ. One of the most proud moments that I had as a pastor of New Story was this particular scene. More than 50% or 60% of our congregation were participating in We Love LA project that we had for four weeks. Children and adults, we came out. We did a lot of things to show our love for the city with no strings attached. We had 17 different projects. We packed 12,000 meals. We cleaned 10, 12 different blocks around our neighborhood, collecting trash, and feeding the the hungry because we believe that God is calling our church to be a loving community that loves the community out there. God has given us this conviction for us to be a conduit of his love, to be his hands, his feet, as a church to taste 
what kind of a church it would be to live love in our midst. One thing that really grabbed my heart, out of so many important moments that we went through as a church, there's one particular moment that just struck me so hard and still uh, dear to my heart, and that is the last Saturday when we went to Union Rescue Mission to help the homeless shelter. There was a group of men in our congregation um, were assigned to wash the feet of the, the men in the shelter. When I saw these pictures, it just, it just humbled me. You know, a couple of them are our elders of our church. You don't know who they are, but they're, they're men of God. They love the Lord. You know, we have a small group leader here in this picture. Um, they did it because Jesus would do the same thing as well, with no strings attached. I was asking a hard question to myself. Stephen, if you were to be there at URM that particular day, would you volunteer to wash their feet with incredible measure of love for them? I'm not sure. But that's what God's calling us to be and to do in our lives. Friends, here's a truth that we need to understand When you experience love, you express love. When you know love, you show love. When you experience God's incredible love for you, you cannot help but to express that to other people. When you really know God, who is love, you have to show his love to other people. John chapter 13 Verse 34 and 35, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, this is what he said to him, what he said to them. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you, what? Love one another. A loving community is a visible authentication of the gospel. Loving community, love is the final apologetic of our Christian faith. It's the the hallmark of our community as a church. What will set set us apart from the rest of the world is nothing but love. So let me ask you one question. Who is God? calling you to love? Who is God calling you to love today? This week, this month, this year, who is God calling you to love? Maybe in your personal life, you just went through that struggle. You just had a Thanksgiving meal with a bunch of your family members, perhaps. And whenever you get together once, in a, once a year um, for Thanksgiving or Christmas, you join the table and there are some cousins, there are some uncles or aunts, or it could be your parents, it could be your siblings. There's some people in your life it's kind of hard to love, difficult to love. And you're sitting at the table and eating a great meal and you're not sure whether you love this person and you're kind of uh, thinking to yourself, how come he has never changed? How come she's still the same? You're just eating the meal without much love in your heart. 
You need agape love to love difficult people in your life. It's always easy to love those who love you back. It's always easy to love those who are nice to you. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. Anybody can do that. But we're called to a greater standard, which is to love those who are not easy to love. Who are these individuals in your life that God is calling you to extend his love unto them? Henry now says this, I can only love others when I'm touched by God's incredible love. There's no way Stephen Hahn, as a sinful man, could conjure up this incredible measure of God's love to other people. I don't have what it takes to love you. It's only when I'm touched by God's incredible love, I'm able to love my family. I'm able to love my neighbors. I'm able to love my church friends and co-workers. Only when I'm touched by God's incredible love. At our church, it's really awesome to see a lot of small groups popping up this year. Perhaps it's the best context you can learn to love one another in our church. You cannot learn to love in isolation. If you're in a solitary confinement, you cannot learn to love another person. You're all by yourself. No, you have to be in a context of community to exercise this love that God is calling us to love. And as you know, he has given you this hunger to know and to be known, to understand, to be understood, to love and to be loved. And God made you that way. And relationships run deep in our church and news story. I've seen so many of you. We cry together. We uh, rejoice together. We, we pray for one another. We celebrate each other's lives. Relationships run deep in our church, and they will continue to be in our midst. We want the whole world to know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another. But are we perfect? Of course not. In every community, in every small group, in every family, there are people difficult to love. And that's what God is calling us to become, to dispense Christ's love to the people who might be difficult for us to handle. We spent four weeks to love our city uh, through We Love LA series, but it was great, but it was not enough. It's always easy to partake, participate in an event, annual event, to love the people outside the walls of our church. It's always easy to do this annual duty. But what if this becomes a lifestyle? Did you know there are a handful of brothers and sisters in our midst who still go out to Skid Row every single Sunday to share the love of Christ? That's their lifestyle. Did you know that this past week, a few brothers actually went back to teen center to finish the a painting job that they had because they love the people there. God is calling us to make this a lifestyle. Through We Love LA, God started a little spark within our church to tangibly love those, around, those people around us with no, no strings attached. But we'll continue to fan the flame they will be part of our ongoing ministry, ongoing DNA. So this coming Christmas, as you heard the announcement, we're actually collecting clothes, jackets, and blankets from you for the next two weeks. That when you actually collect these jackets and blankets, you think about the people who are cold, 
uh, outside the walls of our church. On Christmas Sunday, December 22nd, we're going to actually spend some time, about 20 minutes after each service, to pack 14,000 meals to feed the hungry. We're not going to be done with We Love LA campaign. This will be a DNA of our church. We're going to care for the people outside the walls of our church. And you better get on the program together for us to love them as Christ would. I want you to know that our church needs to be known for love. We need to demonstrate the gospel even before we proclaim the gospel. People do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. And that's, we're going to show love before we tell love. St. Francis of Assisi said this, preach Jesus, preach Jesus Christ, and if only necessary, use words. In other words, you love them till they ask you why. You love them to death to ask you, what's wrong with you? That you tell them what Christ has done for you. And that would be a great way to share the gospel. So let me ask you one more time. Who is God calling you to love? Who is God calling you to love? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it simply says this. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. As we wrap up our family recipe series, there's no better way to end this series other than partaking in a greatest meal that you could ever receive. And that's the Lord's table. Because right before he went to the cross to die for you and for me, he gathered his disciples together, together in one room. And Jesus actually, uh, you know, used the illustration of Passover to make a point. He took the bread he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Afterwards, he took the cup. And said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time when we take the bread and and Jews, every time we approach this table of the Lord, we are celebrating God's incredible, scandalous love that He has for you. You could be the one sitting outside the walls of our church in a cold weather, but somehow God loved you, God saved you, God called you. He said, I love you. I love you so much that I'm going to die for you to take away your sins, to take away your shame, to take away your guilt, to take away your fear. I'm going to die for you that you can set free. And he stretched his arms wide open and said, I love you this much. I love you this much. And we want to celebrate his love today as we think about the table that we're approaching. So, church, let's celebrate what he has done for you. And let this place be a place of worship as we taste his agape love together.
Would you bow with me in prayer? God, we, we come to your table today with a heart of gratitude. Thank you so much for your incredible love for us. Thank you that you demonstrated your love for us that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We celebrate your love today. May you wash away our sins. May your love transform us that we will be holy and acceptable to you. Lord, may this place be a place of reconciliation, a place of renewal, and a place of new beginning for each person in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope that you'll share it with your friends and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us at church. For directions, service times, and more info, check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.